Being human almost guarantees us that we will experience a wide range of emotions throughout our lifetime, and that includes the process of grieving. Whether it is from the death of a loved one or the ending of a relationship, the path to maintaining our journey to energetic wellness must travel through grief so that we can process any emotions, trauma, or blocked energy, and then open ourselves up to the new beginnings that are awaiting us on the horizon. If you have found that you have gained valuable insight from our episodes, consider joining our patron membership where you can receive a shout out on one of our episodes and exclusive content in exchange for a small monthly donation. You can also change someone's life by sharing episodes on social media or with friends and loved ones. Either way, let's all grow together one episode at a time. So now, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. So, Alexander, as with anybody utilizing this philosophy, I feel like the more I learn, the tougher my life gets. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like almost, uh, you know, back when I was more ignorant, I feel like I could blame a lot of other stuff on other people and I, yeah. you know, didn't have to face myself as much. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and and that this, might be true. this is an interesting uh, point to bring up because many times uh, this is very common that when people start doing internal work and working on themselves, it can seem like things get harder but I like to suggest that it's really that we're just taking on responsibilities that we used to not. And it feels harder because we're owning our stuff rather than projecting. Um, but, but that's hilarious for you to bring that well, up. Well, so I'm hoping that it gets a little easier <laughs> as I go. I mean, you've been doing this for, you know, 20, 30 years. So. Yes. And, and what I want to say to everybody is just uh, the important thing is to do this work at a pace that you can basically do for the rest of your life because – we don't really run out of stuff to work on. At the same time, you don't want to get burnt out so that you just uh, stop watching the responsibility and working on yourself. So I think that is important. Um, and But what it does do is it provides an opportunity for you to prepare for things that are coming in your future that you don't realize. So, so doing the work every day and working on the small things prepares you for the bigger things when they happen. So so it certainly does have a result, but yeah, many t- many people are looking for a way to have an experience where they just reach some certain sense, whether that's called enlightenment or whatever it is, and that life is just easy from that point on. And I would suggest rather uh, finding your happiness exactly where you're at and just continuously chopping wood and carrying water and working on yourself a little bit every day. Yeah. I guess uh, maybe I would say it's I'm like rounding out my sharp edges. <laughs> so in the future, you know, things that I used to 
really have emotional reactions to maybe you know would not bother me as much so i guess once i get enough of that done yeah and and would you say at this point that you can certainly look back and already see a difference so absolutely yeah absolutely so so they can be like little things but those little things accumulate over years so it is important as we do grow and move past certain things that we had been stuck at in the past that we take time to appreciate that in ourselves too because we need those rewards we need to be picked up every now and then and we can be guilty of just focusing on the so-called work and there can like I said it's not going to run out so you can always find something to work on and it can be challenging to stay out of judgment and many people will start judging themselves for maybe not growing as fast as they feel like they should or for failing at an emotional reaction again and just Guilty. realize that guilt yeah, is one of the biggest waste of energies from my perspective that there is. And as soon as guilt is, is felt, you know, I like to suggest do something right then in that moment right away to affect change. Even if it's just standing up and getting out of the chair you're sitting in, affect a change right away because guilt is a huge energy drain. So uh, I have been going through a lot in my life, and I came across this quote online that I just want to read to you, and then we can get into more of like an overview of this because this topic is really, really, really deep, and there's so much to get into, and uh, I, I don't think you know we have enough time to condense it all, nor, nor do we want to. Right. So, um, so the quote goes, Grief, I've learned, is really just love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot. And it's by, uh, give credit to Jamie Anderson. Um, and it goes on, but, but you know we don't need to read the rest of it because the gist of it is that they're connecting grief with love. And when I read it, I resonated uh, very deeply with it because it, it does get into uh, that grief is just love with no place to go. Mm-hmm. And you know, having gone through some things in my life the last couple of years, I can see how that really makes sense to me or somebody who had just lost somebody, Mm -hmm. um, whether to death or, you know, through uh, a a relationship ending and how you're you're used to uh, even on like a subconscious level day to day, having that person around, giving energy to that person and suddenly they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm familiar with that quote, and I do want to give proper respect because I think that is uh, well said. And I think most anybody would agree that there's more to it than just that. But I do think that that group of words is very poetic and beautiful. And the way that I explain it going through major loss myself is that, yes, I was used to giving this person Uh, a type of love and a type of energy day in and day out and staying consistently connected with them intentionally. And she gave me a certain type of love and energy as well daily. And we were together for 11 years. And after she passed, uh, it was when I finally understood what, why elderly people many times will die within just weeks of each other. Um, Because I felt the energetic pull or the energetic blow that a person takes when an energy so-called leaves this plane or when a person does through death especially, it's very different from a divorce or a breakup um, to where that that person or that being, that energy field is still on this plane. 
And it's challenging to describe, but I have experienced both. And my body went into trauma six months after Sherry passed. And it took me, as many people have heard, um, five years of excruciating pain, um, chest pain, and then understanding that it was based around and figuring out through the divine's grace that it was connected to frustration. And then it took me two years to practice what to do with it. And that's what I help a lot of people in my private practice with. But that was a very bizarre feeling because when you have that level of loss, you want to feel it, fill it up. And that's kind of what that that phrase was saying. But what that does is it creates rebound relationships. And so many times people will jump into another relationship really quickly because that's what they think they're doing is filling the love back up when actually not often is that actually happening. We can show this once again on the human design chart, how that person is is actually being affected through the heartbreak, through the grieving process. So I am a huge fan of the grieving process because it is a process and I've had to walk through it many, many times on many different levels. And I will say that I don't feel that anything has taught me more than the experience of death. And death has certainly taught me to live more and more intentionally every day. Um, Because that reminder of how temporary this life is, is, I think, useful. It's not dismal. It's not dark. It helps me to make the most of every day. And so while we're talking about grief, I don't want this to be like uh, a heavy topic because our culture makes it heavy. But it's also very beautiful. And when uh, grieving can be handled properly and processed and you can get to appreciation of something or someone that you are letting go, uh, that's a complete circle, a complete life cycle, so to say. And with every ending, there's a new beginning. you know. And as children, we're excited about the unknown, and then slowly it seems that in our culture we're taught to fear the unknown. So I want everybody to hear that, that it's a choice to fear the unknown, we have the opportunity to be excited about that unknown. And I do know that, you know, it is impossible for me to fill certain voids of people, and I don't even try to. It's just an opportunity to open up a new branch, so to say. And so rather than replacing or filling a void up, um, I like to say, you know, consider a new branch. And allowing that old story to be just that, a chapter in your life, and not that you're looking to replace the person or the situation, um, and not that you're looking to bring someone in too fast because time does seem to be the ultimate healer. And healing is in different time frames for different people. So, so I do like to mention in the healing process and the grieving process to consider a seven-year cycle. And every seven years, the cells in the body completely regenerate. And that especially the longer that we've been with someone or a situation, because grieving could be around a job too, um, we need to give extra time depending on the longevity that we were experiencing and the depth those two variables need to be seen equally and kind of simultaneously. 
to get a true concept of what the healing is going to take. And I'd just like to suggest for people that it, it takes longer than most people realize or are willing to accept in the beginning. And mine was a hard lesson in that. But my healing, the biggest one, that healing crisis I went through was a seven-year cycle. And after seven years of working on it every single day, I was elated at the seven-year anniversary. And just uh, and that's what I've been able to experience ever since. So when you do work on the grief process every day for seven years, you do get rewarded. Um, and many people say it doesn't take them seven years, and that's fine. I'm just talking about the physical level. The physical body regenerates every seven years. Um, the different levels of the field, the the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual all have different so-called time frames, but we won't get into that in this podcast. But the, the grieving process is, is important, and I would like for people to, to consider uh, finding a way to celebrate it and shifting the energy from loss to a celebration of time together. And I do feel confident that most people can find that if they put a little effort into it. Well, getting back to the quote, I had mentioned it to you before we started this episode and we didn't really talk too much about it and you just gave me another way of looking at it. I thought that was interesting and that's why we jumped right into talking about this subject. But the way I uh, viewed it um, from my perspective was, you know, in resonance of the quote, was that I have all this love to give somebody and and these uh, relationships just don't or haven't been working out. I mean, I'm, right. I'm single. So so obviously all throughout my life, every relationship hasn't worked out uh, to, I guess, what we would call success, which is uh, mainstream is more like a longevity type of thing. Or right. I mean, at least that's, I want like a partnership type of thing, right. not just like a weekly relationship. <laughs> so uh, so to me, I, I feel like, okay, well, I have all this love to give, but I just can't either a certain person or a person in general isn't there mm-hmm. to receive it, and it's just like all in me, and so, uh, or or I think about uh, a past relationship and that I just had all this love to give, and I just wanted to love them, and we just weren't in resonance, and I kind of think back to, well, maybe I have uh, all these expectations of what it's going to look like. And maybe that's just me being unrealistic, and that's maybe why I kind of resonate with this quote a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it is it is good to hold on to that that hope and that somewhat of a dream that many people have of what they consider at different stages of their life to be an ideal relationship. And that's important to put in that stage at different stages of our lives. So, so yes, that, that love that, when a relationship ends um, or someone dies, it can feel like, or even someone loses their job. See, this is where uh, many great teachers, I'm going to just call on Jesus with this one. You know, when he talked about love thy neighbor, he wasn't suggesting to love anybody any more than anyone else. And in that situation, that's hard for many people to conceive or understand. And this is why I like to suggest that, you know, emotional love, which we're discussing here, is connected in the heart chakra or heart center. And I have a theory that unconditional love is held in between the root and the second chakra. And the difference between those two is attachment. 
and that any love with an attachment, and this taps into Buddhism a little bit even, attachment is the root of all suffering. And so when Jesus was suggesting this love thy neighbor, love everyone and everything equally, it may have been suggesting that uh, that's how you stay out of pain and struggle because everything is temporary on this plane. That, that is a fact that most people can agree upon, but we really don't soak that into our knowing to realize that this thing that we're experienced, uh, so-called love, is an experience. It's not uh, specific to be connected between two like specific people. When you put that specific on it and it gets taken away, then there's a void created. And that's what people spend the time trying to fill that void. But the possible key is that when you love in a different kind of way and you're in love with your life, you're in love with your connection to a higher power, whatever you want to call that, and you're experiencing just that love, then we accept, it's easier to accept that things are going to come and go in our lives. And so this is a slight shift of perception. And and I know that this may be challenging for some people to to accept or or to even be willing to. But when we can start practicing loving in a different way outside of possession, uh, and that's what this attachment is, is. And so I would like for this to, for anyone out there that's going through the grieving process to consider that as part of the lesson, to consider what time you did get to have with this person or this job. And did you make the most of it? If you didn't, then don't beat yourself up uh, out of guilt, but move forward, start today saying from this point on, then I'm stepping this appreciation up. And you have all the other people that you are, are connected with to divide that love that you were given to that one person up. And you can spend a whole day just contacting people, telling them how much you love and appreciate them. And to me, whether it's through a breakup or through death or loss of a job, that is getting the energy going. It's redirecting the energy. It's part of the three R's of recognizing, showing respect, and redirecting. And so... Utilizing your three R's through grief is very, very important. To recognize what you had, to respect, give respect to that, to give gratitude for that time, and then to redirect the energy into a different direction. Or we can fall into pity and self-loathing and projecting, and that has a heavy cost. So I think it's, you know, it's wise to see that when we do feel like we are carrying love that doesn't have anywhere to go um, outside of like a sexual love or an overly intimate type of love, which some people separate that from love and say that, hey, that's an act that we enjoy together. It's really not about the love. Then that love, if that is the case, should be able to be dispersed, whether it's through homeless people or elderly people or um, injured children. I mean, there's there's many, many people that need love. So that's just hard for me. Like when I've saw that quote before, I think it's a great piece of poetry, but it just always felt a little incomplete to me, but certainly worth resonating with. Yeah, and it kind of uh, is focused more on a want, I think. Like I want to give this love to a specific 
person kind right. of in a way. Like, yes, because it's a give and take. You want to receive it too. And most people don't realize that around the the topic of love, uh, most are looking to receive more than they're really looking to give because that's the issue in the majority of the the relationship consulting that I do is that um, there's not normally an issue with uh, somebody overgiving. Um, that's not the problem. Or over-receiving many of the times. It, there's a, there's an equilibrium that really needs to be sought in that. And to know that I love the saying that it may not be love if you're looking for something in return. And that's, you know, a little bit of poetry that I wrote many years back. And, and I sit in that all the time, that if I'm looking to call something love, do I need something from it? Do I want something from it? Then in my vocabulary, I choose to go, oh, well, maybe I'm in lust. Maybe I'm in want. Maybe I'm in something else. But no, I can't call that love uh, because I do want to just give love and not look for something in return. So I think that's important for people to, to think about. And I think it can help with, once again, the grieving process when we can see that we are still carrying that love and we can radiate that love and share it. And what a better way to honor someone than to be able to go out and spread that love out over many people that you used to just give to maybe one person. Or maybe it's that you used to work all the time in a corporate job and you never had time for family. So rather than focusing on getting fired and feeling uh, shameful for that, you could be grateful that you have more time to spend with your family. Um, so, so once again, we're dancing around with the idea of perceptions and that we don't always need the actual event to be different in our lives, but changing the perception can change our whole life. Yeah, and I was actually going to say something very similar right now, which is nobody's going to be able to get away from the grieving process. That's not what we're trying to do, but it's just altering these perspectives to help get back from uh, feeling sorry that that person's gone to more of a celebration of what that person meant to you. Yes, and one of the very first steps, my the breakthrough that I received in what you call uh, meditation or download was that I had the opportunity to be grateful for 11 years with this person or to be angry and sad at what I lost. And when I realized that that was literally just a decision to choose every time that my mind wanted to activate something, that I did have the power to choose to focus on celebrating 11 years with this amazing human being or continuing for the rest of my life potentially to be angry at it being taken away. When in the logical part of my mind, the, the, the mental field, level of the field, it makes logical sense that everything is temporary. <laughs> so if you try to hold on to anything, there's just going to be more suffering. So, so this is where the mind can be used, and it is through the perception. And then that perception affects our emotional reaction, which affects our energetic field, which affects our physical body. So the perception is, is key in the grieving process. And so go through the motions, go through the crying, go through the emotional release, but be prepared for what you are putting back in. So what I like to suggest for people that are going through uh, uh, the grieving process is when the sadness comes, get into the crying 
But while you're in the crying, get to that point of celebration, of appreciation of whatever time you did have, or appreciation for the new beginning that's getting ready to start. Because you want to train or direct the release to something that is useful rather than something that's just sad. And so many times I like to suggest that there's two different kinds of crying. There's victim crying and there's release crying. And with release crying, you need to put something back in, a changed perception, or that pattern will keep coming up and the crying will continue. But if you redirect the pattern of when this sadness comes up, I'm going to allow it and I'm going to release it and I'm going to get to gratitude and I'm going to get to forgiveness and I'm going to be okay. Tomorrow's another day. So I do carry so much compassion for all of you that are grieving out there. And I do want to take a moment to honor you in, in just a few moments of silence. We've been there and love you so much. So, so hopefully there's been a few things that we have shared through this um, podcast that can be useful. Uh, I'm still interested in, you know, uh, I know this is a subject that, that Aaron really lit up when I said something about it. And uh, he even said, I don't know if I'm prepared for this. This is a, this is a big topic and it really, really is. So we do want everybody to understand that we're just kind of touching on it a little bit and we will be going deeper in later episodes. But what else would you like to share, brother? There has been a perspective that has helped me uh, tremendously in breakups. And it's the perspective that I don't want to prevent somebody else from being happy. So, uh, for instance, if you kind of grow apart mm-hmm. um, and maybe you were, maybe part of that um, time together was to come together to share an experience and to help further both people's growth and that you're not supposed to be together forever. Mm-hmm. And if somebody doesn't want to be with me anymore or if, or if it's just like they're growing in a different direction than where I'm going, I have no reason to hold them back, nor do I want to, because then I'm kind of disrespecting them as a person. I do want to see the people that I've been with be the best people that they can be. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not that, then, you know, fly. Right. You know, I, I, want, I want that person to grow uh, in the direction that they need to. And I know that, that relationships can kind of create some confines for people. And when, they're, when they feel like they're stuck in them, then they feel like they, they can't be themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just feel like that perspective of, if this relationship isn't right for them, I don't want them to stay in it. Right. And that, you know, and that's a, a kind view and one that I'm sure uh, there are other listeners out there that's going to resonate with that. And then there are more uh, possessive type people uh, that, you know, do want to hold on to people and look at their situation as something that um, they can't necessarily do without. You know, this brings in a big variable of who wants to leave and how it comes to happen, how it's communicated. There's many different variables in that. But uh, I think for, you know, someone with just like your makeup, it can be challenging to understand maybe how uh, aggressive some people like do it and and really purposely confine people from being able to leave. And I think that's just a an honor to your, you know, your personality and the work that you've done. Uh, I think it's beautiful. 
but the logistics sometimes play a role. So the variables in that, that, you know, when we meet somebody to be able to say, hey, if this doesn't work out, can we be amicable and love each other? You know, that's always a great intention to set. But many times it can be connected to the level of love that the person shares for the other. And many times the more ugly something is, it reveals the amount of love that was there. And sometimes when it's easy, uh, it shows maybe that those deeper levels weren't reached. It can be connected to vulnerability. But that certainly is the hope that when people aren't resonating together, that they can, you know, not take that out on each other and and move on. Very rarely does that happen on both sides. Um, But I think that you've had, you know, multiple cases where that's been the case with you able to work through. But I'm sure that it does really bother you if if you're not able to talk it out or to fully understand um, what has transpired. Absolutely. Yeah. And in no way was I saying that 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 takes away all the the hardness of it. Of course, I grieve like a normal person whenever I lose a relationship, even if it is um, a very respectful ending where both people understand that maybe we're just more friends than than, you know, lovers in that Mm -hmm. situation. So there still is a, a grieving process that I go through. But yes, I have been very, very, very fortunate. And I'm very grateful that, um, some of the people that I've recently been in relationships with over the past seven to eight years, we have been able to be very uh, semi-conscious at the end and just respect each other and understand that, you know, there's nothing else here. It, it's not going anywhere that we both want to, to uh, collectively. So Yes, and this, you know, it does connect back to the very first pillar that either everything's in divine order or it's not. And Endings are sometimes part of that divine order, whether it's what we want or not. And so uh, many times in my own life, I will question my wants, as Jalaluddin Rumi suggested in one of his poems, always question what you want. And I remember hearing that 20 years ago, and it just still sticks with me. Every single time that I think of something that I want, I question the cost of it. And that's part of the philosophy and my teachings. And that's not to be negative or dismal. It's just that, like, the cost of a deep relationship is a deep grieving process. They come hand in hand uh, to where if there's not a deep level of love reached, then there's not a deep level of grief that needs to be reached. This also connects to one of the other pillars of this being the plane of polarity, but it doesn't have to be the plane of duality. So as you are connecting deeper and deeper with someone or something to keep the cost in mind and to say, wow, if this this left today, to just consider that, see, will bring you more into the present moment of appreciation for what you have. And one of the biggest issues with grief is that appreciation many times comes after something is gone. And that's such a a hard lesson for for most humans to learn. And that's what I feel like loss can be the inspiration. Grief can be the inspiration to affect change for you to experience every relationship in your life at that time differently and moving forward for you to look at relationships differently. So use the pain of the grief, the pain of the working through the loss to inspire you to connect more deeply to the people that you have in front of you 
and to be more prepared for when you do meet that next special someone or that next special job. So see, loss can generate this grief, but grief can direct us toward appreciation. But it is in the mental level that we make that discernment. And I happen to feel that it helps to have a solid practice or something uh, mantra-like uh, to to say quickly when your mind wants to bite onto that negativity of the sadness of the loss or the missing, to be prepared to say, oh, no, no, I'm going to focus and I'm going to remember a good time that we had and, and how special that that time frame together was. And so the association of the grief will make an association with uh, happiness or joy rather than sadness. And see, you're still doing the same process or similar process of the crying, of the maybe talking about it. And it's okay that if you need to express yourself and say that you're angry, you're mad. I just call it a 360-degree view. Just get to the other end. Be pissed off. Be upset. Be angry. Whatever you need to go through, those are or actual emotions that were created. They need to be experienced, but just not on someone, please. And after you release that and maybe the crying happens, then you fill that in with gratitude of the time that you got to spend with that person. And if you can't find anything to be grateful for, then you're probably not grieving as much as you think about that particular situation. Because remember, if you've activated grief, you are grieving everything throughout this lifetime, and even for those that believe it, potentially other lifetimes, because present-day situations just activate a chain of events of similar events throughout your life. So that's important to remember. And uh, so so those of you out here grieving, don't just grieve around the isolated situation that is happening now. Be willing to go into past situations, because there may be residue that needs to be released from past situations uh, that can really help you to move through the present situation much quicker. So I've been going through a little bit of a grieving process, and I had a revelation recently that, of course, you've talked about this over and over and over again, but I, it just never clicked with me. Like, I've heard it said, but just never clicked until <laughs> yes, I had the experience. And and I want, I shared it with somebody else, and they had never, it never clicked with them, but they got it because they were going through a similar experience. So I want to just voice it here in case it helps somebody out there. So as I'm grieving like this, you know, this energy is sitting in my stomach and it just feels restless and it kind of like, it's like a pit. And uh, it, you know, I started thinking about what I was grieving for and eventually it worked its way up and I cried it out. Mm -hmm. And once I cried it out later on, uh, maybe an hour or two after, I felt relief and it was no longer there and I could see things more clearly. And so when I thought back, I was like, okay, well, the, all that energy in the pit of my stomach, it was just that energy that had to be released. And it was, it was um, fueled by all of my, my grief, all of my thinking about what I lost. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's going to come back because those thoughts haven't transitioned over into uh, fully being grateful for the mm-hmm. situation. So it's going to take time. But when I think about it just being energy that has to be released, it takes out so much of the emotional part that I'm, you know, that I have to feel sorry for myself and that I lost something where mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, this is just a process. I'm going to, 
you know, it makes it more conscious and that, okay, this is energy that's being generated from my thought patterns and I just need to release it. I'll feel better. And then, you know, just, it will keep getting better and better, um, keep getting relief faster and faster as I go about it. But just putting it in the idea that this is energy and it's not me, because I think like I've done in the past, when I felt that, that way, after a grieving process, it can make you think that you have a change of heart. Like, for instance, if you logically understood that you had to break something off from somebody, let's just say this as an experience, and then after you do it, you have grief for the next few days, you may think that you made the wrong decision and return back. But when you put it in the understanding that it's just that energy of of losing, even though you were the one to make that decision, Mm -hmm. um, it allows you to you know, just be more conscious that this is the process that's going to happen. Well, that's, I mean, and that was so well articulated. A few things that I want to bring in here is that just the consideration, and I'm not saying that this is the way that it is, but typically grief is held in the chest. When you were pointing at your abdomen and talking about the discomfort in the stomach area, many times that's where worry and fear uh, reside in that area and the fear connected to the kidneys in the back. So it's normally primary worry and worry can be directly connected to guilt. So potentially what is being released in that through the grieving process is either worry or fear or guilt because many times say that the person that does the breakup yeah they can go a few days like you said and then have this feeling in the pit of their stomach it's connected to grief, but it may be more directly connected to, uh, like I said, the worry or the the gallbladder, which is the gall of somebody. I can't believe that I did this to this person, or I can't. Anytime you have the phrase of "I can't believe this is happening," that's the gallbladder energy. And so, so considering that that these different, there are many emotions that need to be relieved or released through the grieving process. Um, and that's just something to consider because I think the technique that you were talking about, about feeling it in energetic and emotional distress does feel physical. You can feel it in the physical body, but you able to think about it as energy. And I like to even see energy kind of like a, a gas that if you, if you stop the constriction, it wants to just move up and out. It wants to move out or sometimes it moves down and out the feet, depending on where the openings of the energy centers or the blockages are. So so sometimes people do feel it like rising up, but as it rises from the stomach, it can bring up, like I said, other levels of the grief process. So pushing that energy down sometimes intentionally may be a better way to release it. But I think it's very good to point out that you did release some of that, whether it was worry or fear or guilt um and then you experienced it going up into the chest and then did did you feel it move on out how how would you explain that yeah i did eventually um cry it out yes and so you know the crying is more of like a a full body flush and so uh that visualization of it coming up and out is a beautiful visualization that may or may not have been how the energy actually moved out of you but the more important thing is the process that you went through of being able to change your perception to uh, just an energy view. And then I think a big part that maybe wasn't uh, talked about was just 
the relaxing in the the release. There's a relaxing in a proper release, and that's normally the crying. And there's no guilt behind the crying. There's no shame behind the crying. It's just a true free will just cry. And very few people really have those types of cries because our culture has judged crying uh, so negatively that the majority of the time when people cry, they go through some type of other type of emotion, like either blame or projection or guilt. And so just a true release cry and then filling that up with appreciation um, and gratitude uh, can really go a long way because we're not talking about Pollyanna stuff here. We're actually talking about taking frequencies out of the program and putting other frequencies back in. So that's why I'm saying to focus on the gratitude and the appreciation, but don't just a thought, a feeling of an actual event that happened. So you've had the feeling of the cry, the release, the tears are coming. You've had the release. Now take time to remember something very important about that person or that situation. Create that vibration from your actual memory, not just a thought, but feel it. And the more that you can feel it, the more that you feel that void up that you've just released. And the feeling up is very, very important, that step. So I did want to touch upon what the difference is between uh, having a sudden ending of something that you would grieve over or a more drawn-out ending. Yes, and that's um, that's a very, very interesting subject. And I have actually experienced both. And when I was 20 years old, I lost my best friend that was like a brother to a drunk driving accident. And it caught me completely by surprise. I was at the hospital. I thought that he was fine until I saw his father walking down the hall. And and I literally lost my cool and started um, throwing chairs and tables and screaming. And um, one of the few times in my life that I just truly was overwhelmed. And, and then, of course, with my life partner of 11 years, Sherry, um, I watched her decline over a 10-month period. And there's no way to say which one is harder, but they are completely different processes. And when you have time to grieve, if you approach someone possibly dying slowly, if you approach it realistically, it can be a very beautiful experience by the time you get to the end. And I got to experience that with my mother passing a couple of years ago. And it was truly no sadness at the end. It was just, uh, it was truly gratitude. And that happened over many months. So the shock of something all of the sudden, there's not the same type of trauma that you have to deal with with something that's drawn out because something that's drawn out, many times people will suffer um, physically. They will overdo it to take care of the ailing person. And then uh, many times shortly after, there will be a traumatic a reboot or a healing crisis that, that person has to go through where the blow of something all of a sudden can create something sudden like a heart attack or something like that. But it's not normally going to be something um, the same way to where the physical body has been deteriorated over maybe being the caretaker. And so, so we certainly can't weigh those against each other. They are very, very different experiences. And um, it's hard for people to relate that's only had one, uh, one or the other. 
but normally when somebody's had both, um, I've had conversations with very few and that have had both and the conversations are just very short because there's just not really a lot to share uh, about the experience. They're just so totally different. Uh, the main thing is what you do afterwards, starting with the grief process. And, and I think that is a different process because there's many times acceptance can start sooner uh, on the long droned out situation than something that happens all of a sudden. Uh, so denial is sometimes more present with a death or transition that happens all of a sudden. So just different variables, but neither one of them easy to deal with at all. And once again, sending compassion and love and kindness to all of you listeners out there that are going through a tough time, but um, try to use that focus on uh, pulling on the five pillars. If you haven't heard that episode, go back to the pillars episode and then work towards finding the gratitude for what you did get to share. And then to go disperse that love that you want to give to that person that fills that hole in your heart. Go give somebody that either you know or don't know, go give them some of that love and have the experience of still giving it just as not as much in an intimate way possibly but it may not be an intimate loss that that all you listeners have listened to we've we've talked kind of about that in this episode due to some recent activity um with those connected to with the podcast but um but there are many different types of grief and so hopefully we've given everyone a little taste of something uh, no matter what you're dealing with out there and that pillars episode we just did a reboot which would be episode 51 huh. And so, Alexander, one last question. Is it good that we revisit the trauma that we are grieving over? For instance, um, if it is somebody that has passed, going back and and looking at their stuff, uh, thinking about memories, um, things that are going to trigger your emotions, you know, of that grieving Mm -hmm. process, is it good to immerse ourselves in that so that we continue that we're forced to deal with the those feelings or right. should we uh, maybe do it in a more structured way? That is a, uh, a question that is individual for each individual. Uh, can't really give a general answer to that. So, so yeah, that grieving process is so different for everyone, but I do feel that as a general rule, using tools like pictures, um, uh, poems, maybe writings, different things of the person to help activate the emotions. I did that uh, myself, but I intentionally was wanting to work through them. So I would sit down, like, for example, with my guitar, and then I would hold a picture or something of the person that has passed, for example, and I would feel them. I would start to feel the so-called sadness come up, and then as that sadness is coming up and the crying starts, I would remember something beautiful that we did together. And then as I'm crying, I would start playing music and it would be like I was playing it for them. Like I wish that I could play them a song and I would play until the crying stopped. And that might be three minutes or it might be 30 minutes or it might be three hours. But for me, I would just play. And once I activated that emotion, I wanted to be in it and I wanted to release it. And after every release, I would think about another moment that we had together And so this process went on, like I said, with my life partner for seven years, almost every single day, literally. But there was an extremely deep connection and there was a lot of grief there. 
So, um, so mine is one of the worst case scenarios, but uh, I do think that there is a fine line between when memorabilia is useful and when it creates codependent and attachments. There's very difficult to put a time range on that because that is different. Once again, the, the main variable is the level of depth of connection that they reached. To me, that overrides time together. Uh, depth will override time in the, in that in the love situation. So um, so I think that's just a a tool that people should consider, and I think that is is helpful for if you have one or two people around you that you really respect. If you're getting to a point to question whether the memorabilia is useful or not. I think it's good to um, seek someone's advice, maybe a couple of people's advice, because if you're questioning it, then it's probably getting near the time anyway to uh, to maybe move on and get rid of some things. Because remember, every ending is making way for a new beginning, and that's the the focus of where the energy is either focused on the loss or the new beginning, and that does begin with perception. And I think that's a awesome way to end this episode for everybody out there to focus on what you have lost and maybe perhaps where it could potentially be blocking new beginnings. And of course, uh, focusing on um, being grateful for uh, everybody who's crossed your path. Absolutely. So thank all you listeners. Uh, Please donate if you can and um, reach out to our Wise Wise community Facebook page as well. And anyone interested in private sessions, uh, understanding yourself or your loved ones at a more deep level or understanding unexplained pains, um, please reach out and contact me. We'll set up a private session. And now stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness. Enjoy. And for this three minute segment, we will be sharing one of my private releases, Native Crystal Tone, available for purchase on my website at thejustphilosophy.com Enjoy.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.